0: This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Hey, and one more thing before um, we go into this, because it's actually part of what I want to share with you this morning. A lot of you know, and some of you might not, that I spent a, a, a reasonable part of a former life. Uh, Jim Cook is, was there and present for some of that in, in the music world, right? Yeah, I talk about it from time to time and I'll drop some names just so you think I'm cool or whatever, even even though my kids have literally no idea what names I'm dropping. Um, I'm going to drop one of them for you right now. I want you to see, this is a little bit of throwback Thursday or flashback Friday or whatever Sunday would be, uh, to see if you can, this is where it all started. This is 1991 something like that. I was a 21-year-old Darren. This is where it all was getting started for Darren C., If you can be very attentive and see if you can choose which one of the people, the guys in this video, is me. Anybody, uh, does anybody actually remember that song, by the way? Okay, everybody in here, oh, raise your hand, you're all old. That's how you know it. Any <laughs> guesses which one was me? And if you say the horse, it totally is going gonna, gonna to hurt my feelings, <laughs> although it's not inaccurate. Any guesses? Was it that obvious? Because I wanted it to be uh, Andy, the mullet guy, because his mullet in that day and age. When you think about Andy, uh, Andy's mole I think that was called the Kentucky Waterfall. <laughs> Mine was referred to as the Missouri Compromise because it was, you know what I mean, like the, the, the permed one, where you couldn't quite commit to one or the other, and so you compromised. Um, uh, yeah, and, and Kirk, his is just flowing with goodness and glory. And anyway, that was uh, that was 1992. And I thought I had made it. And uh, uh, I did not. <laughs> was the problem. <laughs> what would later happen, in fact, just a couple of years later, I would sell that bass guitar and then another one, and I've been as Soundgear to buy a uh, wedding ring for my wife. She should have been here to hear that, doggone it. Are we recording this? <laughs> Um, I I bought it, and it was a weird feeling for me because in a weird way, I felt like I was laying down my gift, my thing. I I wasn't just selling a guitar. I was like selling a dream. And and it was like, what value did I have if I didn't, I, I put all my eggs in that basket. I mean, did you see that vest? You know what I mean? I was committed to this. But when I sold it and, and took a different path, I, I think that the gift that I received at that point in my life, maybe didn't know it at the time, was the realization that there's a reason why Jesus, even in Ephesians 4, doesn't focus on talent and skills, but on spiritual gifts. You see, a talent and a skill has a bell curve to it. How many of you all were like football stars in high school? It's third service, I guess nobody. All the all the former athletes were at first service, but but y'all, if you remember how you used to be able to run or how heavy you could lift stuff, and it's it's a depreciating asset. It has a curb. At some point, it diminishes. The greatest vocalists can still sing as they get older, but they can't sing the same as they could when they were younger. You know, Scotty Bernard, God knows, he's barely hanging on by a thread with his skill right now. We're just praying he can make it one more Sunday for, you know. (laughs) Some some curves last longer than others. (laughs) The problem, if you're putting all of your hope and all of your dreams and all of your weight and all of your identity on a talent or a skill it is not something that can sustain the weight of your identity and of your need. Because I asked how many people in in this room knew who that was, out of curiosity, how many of you don't know who that was in that video that we just played? Hands high, hearts abandoned, okay? Like, right half the room. Those guys sold like gold records, platinum records, they sold enormous amounts of tickets. And they can still sing, by the way, pretty good. Like, really good. But their identity, if it's based just in that, it causes this, obviously, this emptiness and this hurt. Is God done with me just because the world was done with me? You know, one of the jokes sometimes is we're doing our farewell tour and we didn't realize we already did the farewell tour. They all said goodbye the last tour. We just didn't know it. Like, we're out here to half-empty arena saying goodbye. Everybody already said goodbye. But what if God's emphasis on you was never about your skill and your talent and your ability, but about the spiritual gift that he wanted to put inside of you to deliver to the world. Because a spiritual gift does not diminish with time, it increases with time. It doesn't soften with time, it strengthens with time. Because the fact of the matter is, Marty, one of the guys, great guy, loves the Lord. Uh, he, When he and uh, his wife and me and my wife were shopping in New York. She has a very specific set of skills, which is when they can get behind in the hallways where you can buy those fake Prada purses from like upstairs down the hall. You know what I'm talking about? like Sherry knows that stuff like the back of her hand. I'm like, we're either going to get shot or we're going to get a really fake uh, Prada purse. You're one of the two. <laughs> but they're still alive and doing amazing things in the kingdom of God, even though they're not selling out arenas and they're not selling out... This. Because it was not about their skill, it was about the gift that God put inside of them. Marty's gift is still as strong as it was I would say it's even stronger than it was 30 years ago and it's important because here, I'm talking specifically about people who have a, a, a skill, a, a talent, a whatever that is celebrated and they actually happen to be pretty good at it, I actually was not very good at it that was the problem, I'm sitting in that video and I'm hanging out with Willie Davis who used to play keyboards for Carmen. anybody remember Wild Willie? Nobody? Oh gosh. Okay, there we go. <laughs> you all know. Jamie Davis was on drums. Jamie went on to play with Seventh Day Slumber. And, you know, uh, th- th- these are like legitimate people. When I'm going here, we're going, like, watching, you watch a guy like Scott Bernard play guitar, and I'm thinking, I might as well just put this down because all I'm doing is wasting everyone's time. This is not my thing. So, on that side of it, if, if you have a lot of talent and it diminishes, or if you have not as much talent and you're never going to rise to that occasion, neither one of those are great places to place your identity because your identity, if it's placed in that, will buckle under the weight of your identity and your needs. And that is why I think Jesus, that's why positive, that's why Jesus didn't put any emphasis here on your skills and on your abilities. In fact, what he put a emphasis on. In fact, this entire passage, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, recounts a storyline of a king from Psalm 68 who went into battle. He ascended, also descended. Remember that part of the passage when you read Ephesians 4? You're like, what in the world does that mean? And it's speaking specifically of Psalm 68, where David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem after a battle brings it back to the people and the celebration. And in Psalm 68, it actually says that, and he received gifts from the people, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul changes it here and says that he gave gifts to the people. He's saying this is Jesus, the greater than David, came to earth, went to battle for you, set you free, and then as the spoils of war, he comes back after defeating the enemy and gives gifts to his people, he gives gifts to you, as the old saying goes, the victor, to the victor belong the spoils. And he was the victor, and the spoils are these spiritual gifts that we're speaking of in the past three months Now, with that in mind, knowing this amazing, what Jesus went to to accomplish all of this, doesn't it make you feel like I wanna really understand, I really wanna take these spiritual gifts seriously, I really want to embrace it because it was a gift that was won in battle for me, for you. A a, a great first step in this, by the way, is exactly the way that Paul lays it out here. And he says, chapter 4, verse 1, is the way, like the step towards this in the right direction is really quite simple. As a prisoner of the Lord, he's writing it from prison. Love this. Paul, very skilled, right? One of the most crafty. He was intelligent. He had been to uh, huge, like their version of Harvard, dude was intelligent, very skilled. And he's saying in prison even, they could take away his skill, but they can't take away his gift, They imprisoned Paul, but not his gift. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, if you read that like most people read it, you think, okay, Darren, if you're called to be a pastor, you have to behave differently because you're a pastor. James would say like one of my least favorite passages in the Bible, if you're going to be a teacher, you better not screw this up because the consequences are massive. Like, I don't like that even a little bit. But it's true that there are verses that say if you've got this kind of a calling to, you know, take it very seriously. That's not what this is saying, though. Because the calling here, the word calling, is actually a Greek word that means an invitation to a dinner, to a feast. At at Thanksgiving this year, my children and cousins and nieces whatever they're they're going to come to my house for a feast now if a complete stranger walks into my house for a feast they're going to act differently than my children and family do because they're not part of the family they weren't invited so worthy of the calling doesn't mean I work hard to earn this. Worthy of the calling is the way that my kids are going to walk into their invitation to Thanksgiving dinner, which means they're going to walk right in. They're going to open up the pantry. They're going to crack open whatever they want. They're going to eat, munch. They're going to complain about it. But it's... but the, the, <laughs> I'm prophesying, I promise you right now, Ethan's going to look at the stovetop stuffing and wrinkle his little nose. But he can because it's his house. This feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the feast of us being called into the body of Christ, is a feast that for you and I is that we're worthy. We have been made worthy by Christ. Now we're invited to this feast Why would I crawl in on my hands and knees begging for it? Why would I squander it? You know, there's a little little boy that lived in Restoration House for years. Um, He's in a different home now down in Haiti. His name is Jackson. And the first three or four years Jackson lived in this home, he, he kept stealing stuff. Two, three years old. He'd steal your AirPods. He'd just steal... And at one point, they were like, We got to kick him out. We gotta, he's, just, he's causing too much trouble. By the way, he's four. He was found outside, sleeping outside of a tent after the earthquake. Um, the pastor who was in the tent thought there was a dog outside, and he elbowed it to get it off of him, and a baby started crying, and it was Jackson. And you know what Jackson was doing when he was stealing? He was not walking worthy of his calling because he was stealing, thinking, I'm not going to get this again. I've only got one shot at this. I've only got one shot for this food. So if I don't have enough, I've got to keep it in my pocket because I don't know what's going to happen. He's three, four years old. This is how he's feeling at this time. And I remember Lafleur saying, we can't kick him out because we've got him out of the streets, but the streets are not out of him yet. And at some point... He's going to understand that he is worthy of this home to where he won't feel the need to steal it anymore because he knows that if I eat all of this food today, there will be more food tomorrow because I am worthy of it because I am part of this family. That is what it means to walk worthy of the calling of the feast. We don't have to scrounge and scrap and work and pine and beg. We are already in the kingdom. Those of us who are in Christ, Ephesians 1, 2, 3, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Once you know how you are seated and where you are seated, you know how to walk with him, living that life worthy of that calling. And as we Yes? No. I say this every time and I mean it. You hear a baby in church, that is a sound of life. You stop hearing babies, you better be worried in your church. We get excited when we hear babies around here. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) These gifts are given to us. We're not here to beg for them. We're not trying to get them to get victory. We get them because there is a victory. I'm not working harder to try to make this happen for me. He already did all the work. I'm just stepping into it. And in a world like where we are right now, where we really celebrate skill and talent and ability, and believe me, that is an important part of our lives. What Jim and Ildi Cook do for photography and film and video and storytelling, there is 100% a skill that they deploy when they do that. Ben, when you create films and there is a skill that you have learned from that. But that is not the gift, that is a skill. And I've said this before, it bears repeating. Your skill or your talent is simply a highway on which your gift can travel. Don't confuse them. Some of us who are, some of us, some of you who are super talented tend to hide behind your talent and your skill and hold out on your gift. Some of us who are not very talented or skilled, we tend to withhold altogether because I'm putting all this value on the skill and not on the gift. I'm gonna say something that is not meant in an all shucks way and it's not meant that I'm fishing for a compliment, okay? So just get that off the table right now, okay? Are Are we good? I am not a skilled communicator. I'm just not. If you look at the skill of what a communicator does as a skill, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I I have to. We have sermon prep teams. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to. Y'all, I have actually even hired a coach to help me not suck. (laughs) And you laugh, but you took base lace with it. But you know, and she does things like, Darren, quit picking up your coffee cup. You're distracting everybody. (laughs) Stop playing with your hair so much. Like, there's just skills in this that they're important, and it's not a bad thing to have a skill. Like, I do not that's not a bad thing to learn the skill of this. But I also recognize that the gift, even if I don't have my skill honed, which doesn't fly very well in the face of American culture, but an unhoned skill, but a submitted gift, I'll take that all day long. I remember the first time I heard Chuck Smith preach. Anybody know who Chuck Smith is, if I say that name? Uh, Chuck Smith is the founder of uh, Calvary Chapel And this guy, uh, his ministry has j- literally Around the world, okay Impacted people And I had listened to guys like Skip Heitzig And, and John Corson And guys that had been influenced by, by But the, the finally, I, better, I should listen to Chuck And see like, what all this is about And I'm going to tell you The first time I heard Chuck Smith talk On a little, uh, probably CD-ROM, I don't know I, I just remember thinking That's it? That's the guy? Like, he's super monotone, and he doesn't really do good stories, and he doesn't... uh, It's like, and somehow, because his gift was submitted, even if the skill wasn't there, the world was changed. So if you can choose skill or choose gift, go gift all day long. You can't outgrow your gift. You can outgrow your skill. That's why Jesus gave gifts to people, not skills. And what does he want us to do that as we walk worthy of that calling? We're living worthy. We're going to do that while we're woven in a congregation. He says here that in verse 15 from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love and each part does its work each of us in our part, that's the beauty of these gifts. It means that yours isn't mine and mine isn't yours, but together we're growing together. And, you know, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I've been working out a little bit. <laughs> I have a plan. I'm, I've been hitting the gym trying to get my gains. And, and here's the plan. I put, see, I picked up the coffee cup. Eva would say don't do that. Um, if I get a huge upper body then I don't have to worry about my gut. I'll still have the V. It'll just be like a bold. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you all can help me sell my wife on this, this is the plan. But anyway, but Connor, you know what I'm saying. It, but all the muscles, all the, it's all growing, but they're all separate, but together they're growing and creating a body. And woven in a congregation means something quite simple. If I were to dump out a box of Legos here, it's going to be an aggregation of Legos, not a congregation of Legos. The, the aggregation is just a pile. And a church that is not allowing and inviting and celebrating you and your gifts is an aggregation, not a congregation. A congregation coming together means that your gift and my gift, and we're working together, and eventually you click this one, and you pop that one that way, and this piece goes there, and, well, that didn't fit. We've got to try this other way. And before long, you've built the Millennium Falcon, or whatever was meant to be built from it, but it starts not with an aggregation, but a congregation. That's what this whole premise of these gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians four, three different lists, three different purposes, each with a member of the Trinity that matches with them. When we step and stand into those, we're supposed to be different. And you know, in a congregation that is supporting and, and releasing these kinds of gifts, I'll give you a heads up, it does cause tension. There's, there's gonna be conflict sometimes because maybe your gift wants to do this or, or your gift wants to do that. Probably once a week, I get a, a letter or a text message or, and it'll say something along the lines of, hey, we really, I'm sorry, it doesn't say we. It says, you really should be doing this. And it's, it's generally speaking some very nice ministry that, that would be lovely to be participating in and my response generally is, maybe the Lord is telling you that you should be doing this, and why are you waiting for my permission to do this? Jerry Negrotto and Tracy, you did not need my permission to follow the Holy Spirit to what God was calling you to do. Uh, In the New Testament, I see a biblical uh, idea of a a husband covering a wife, and of, of Christ covering the church. I don't see any evidence anywhere of a church having to cover a ministry. You don't want me in between you and God. You don't need to be, quote, under my umbrella. Go follow Jesus. That's going to cause conflict sometimes because you're going to be a part of this church and you're going to think, well, why are we doing this? Or why is Darren talking about the baby bottles, but he's not talking about my thing? And, and the answer is, I don't know. Like, I just That's the way it came this time. Why is Darren about to make an announcement that he just remembered for Rhonda Wicks in the golf tournament next week? <laughs> How do they find out about that, H- H- Hearts for Honduras? Well, you need one golf team? Four teams. Now, I just want you to know Conduit's gonna win that. I've already stacked the deck with a Conduit team, but y'all, the rest of y'all are welcome to come and play along and get beat by the Conduit team, but just so you know, that's coming up. But, but uh, April 5th at the Grove, that's a ministry that God is doing right there. She didn't wait for permission. I was, We were joking about it. Of the organizations I know right now that are actually taking teams right now overseas, uh, three of them led by women. And, and Rhonda said, yeah, I'm actually going back Thursday. You've been to Honduras how many times? Like just since the pandemic? Like she's seven. Yeah. Us guys, we're all sitting around here trying to figure out how to get on trips. Wait, what about this? And what about that? And she'd been to Honduras four times since then. In a church like this, where we celebrate and we authorize and we say permission, if you need it, I can write permission. I don't, you know, just follow the way that Jesus leads you to go. My old friend Robert Beeson is another uh, former uh, washed-up record label executive, like myself. Uh, we're in the twelve-step program of recovering, <laughs> which is the one about making amends, because I think I'm going to be on that one for a very long time. <laughs> I was a talent agent, but but Robert in his former life, was an incredibly successful record executive, very successful. And Robert had things happen in his life. Robert found himself a single father of three beautiful daughters. And Robert began to see around him a world of where single parents, about 30% of the world right now are single parent homes, most of which are single females, and a church that doesn't know what to do about that And so what did Robert do? Did he call me or did he call Darren Whitehead or call some pastor and ask for permission? He just started doing it. And today, by the way, is National Single Parent Day and if you Google Robert Beeson, and there's, he, he, he has a lovely op ed piece right now uh, on foxnews.com, it's a ministry that he did because it's a gift that he had. And instead of waiting around, hiding, whatever, he just decided, I'm just going to take the next step. And this is years and years in the process. It didn't start with where it is today, it started with an idea, it started with obedience. And I promise you, in this room right now, in a room this size, there are dozens of ideas that y'all are sitting on. And when are you going to take the step? the first step towards what God has for you and the ministry he wants from you. Maybe it's today. I'm going to tell you why I think you should in this last idea because woven in a congregation, I mean we for sure need your help here as a local church body as well. I will say that. It would be remiss. I I know that uh, some of y'all are, maybe you're a musician, but you're kind of waiting for Scotty to retire so you can play guitar, and until then, you know, you're not gonna do anything. <laughs> but what if you've got this gift and you're waiting, because I have we used to I used to tell God all this, I'll do all this, I'll X, Y, and Z, but I don't want to do this or that or the other. Uh, back to my little music world, we called that the artist writer. Darren, I will follow you wherever you want, Jesus. And then there were like 28 pages of what I would or would not do and what God will and will not do for me allowed to be following him, I would suggest you to tear up that rider and just say to Jesus, look, I think I'm supposed to be a teacher, I think I'm supposed to do that. What if I just go start plugging in with the children's ministry and helping Joey teach? What if I'm just hanging out in the parking lot, praying with people as they're coming in and out? What if, I mean, Easter is in two weeks and I promise you, we need some help right now. Like this whole we can't be stopped thing, like we're not screwing around, we mean it. And we all need everybody together so that we're not stopped. We're going to need some help with the parking lot. This whole thing is a construction nightmare, but we're going to put that tent out there, and we're going to declare the name of Jesus, and we could use your help with that. That's conduitchurch.com volunteer. You could find out how we need your help there. That's my little sales pitch, but I'm telling you, uh, there are plenty of opportunities, because in a church that celebrates these gifts, there is no place for a bench warmer. I understand and recognize sometimes you need some time to heal. I totally get that. There is no judgment from me on that. But some of you all been here a little bit and you're healing up pretty good. Maybe it's time to put your toe in the water with that. And here's the last thing I want to share with you, which is this idea of what it means to walk in restoration. And that last... A few verses that we we read about him, Jesus going up, he ascended, and then he descended. He took many captives, gave gifts to his people. What did he ascended mean? Except he also, he's literally saying, Jesus going into battle, bringing these gifts to us is exactly why these gifts are now given to us. But here's what I want you to hear about it. Every time one of these gifts Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 13. Every time gifts are mentioned, the other thing that is mentioned right alongside of it is love, period. We cannot confuse the gifts of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the goal. The gifts of the Spirit are the means. Love, love, love. You can Become very, very gifted and focus completely on your gift and destroy your life in the process because your gift was making a great audience for you but you did not have the love and the character inside to sustain the weight that your gift brought to the surface. Starting with love, continuing in love, finishing in love, and the gifts of the spirit become just the means to which It happens. When I uh, think about our church family especially, I'm so blessed. I'm surrounded by people who love each other. You love the Father. You love your children. You love your spouses. You've got the the agape love inside of you. And I 100% believe that if we start with that, the gifts make themselves apparent. Because some maybe think you already have your gift, maybe you know it. Some of you probably think you have your gift, but it ain't the right one. But I would suggest to you that if we start with love, the gifts follow. When I think of it in this way, if I'm rushing out with my gift and demanding it I'm to do my gift, that's not out of love. If I'm, if I'm cowering back and I'm holding back on my gift, that's not out of love. I, I, love is I love the giver, and the gifts come. And then you don't even have to know what it's called. Like Mike Coop, who's here with us this morning, which is a huge blessing, because Mike is usually at Nashville Recovery Church about this time. You got a pinch hitter down there for you this morning, Mike? I've been knowing Mike Coop for, well, A while. I don't want to say how long because it makes me feel so old. But when Mike walked up to an abandoned old nursing home in Columbia, Tennessee. Y'all know Columbia right now because the antique archaeology guy and it's the cool vibe place, whatever. Let me promise you this. That is not how Columbia has always been. To an old abandoned nursing home with no heat, no air conditioning, and launched a little thing for alcoholics and drug addicts called Place of Hope. In those early days, it was just Mike in a van. He didn't have enough people to do it, so he'd have to drive the druggies and the drunks with him to the store so they didn't run away. <laughs> 20 years later. How many, how many people you think have gone through your program? Thousands. How many are in there right now? 35. That means it's full. There are 35 beds. If you're struggling with alcohol, with drug addiction, and you don't have any money, he's the A-team of freedom. And when Mike pulled up that day, I'll bet you didn't think, am I an apostle, or am I a pastor, or am I a teacher? You probably didn't think, which Romans 12 gift do I have? You were just being obedient with the next right thing that the Lord called you to do. In, insurmountable uh, opportunity, is that the word that you use? <laughs> Yes, Mike, I'm great. I'm faced with insurmountable opportunity. <laughs> and it's easy to look and see where he is today and say, "That's I want to do that. But then you get trapped in the tyranny of the huge instead of just doing what's right in front of us. Because you start somewhere and then Jesus just figures it out along the way. Don't wait until you've got it all figured out. Just start with what Jesus has right in front of you. You start with the obedience. Let him deal with the impact. So I promise you, ain't nobody thought he'd make it that long, <laughs> including me. <laughs> there were many days over the years we fought some battles. Shannon and I have been honored to serve on the board for a very long time, and we've just seen Jesus work because Mike was obedient. In here today, has God been nudging you? to do something, to step into the calling that he's got. Knowing the price that he paid for this, he descended, so that, and then he ascended, leaving these gifts. Is there an assignment he has for your gift that you've just been sitting on? Is there one that he's told you a long time ago and you just haven't done it yet? Maybe go back there. But know that it's worth it because the price that he paid for it. This is not about you doing this to try to get victory. You do this because you have the victory. He had the victory. Walk worthy of this calling. Weave yourself into a congregation of Jesus people and walk in the restoration that He has given for you. Because now you and I and Coop and everybody in here, we get to go out and be ambassadors of the freedom that Jesus has given you and I. I hope that makes sense. I hope it lands somewhere in your soul. And that you walk out of here today with an infused with a sense of purpose and meaning and the fact that Jesus literally gave you a gift that he wants you to deliver. If you are not dead, he is not done. Stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we submit and give our gifts to you this morning. We pray, Lord, that you will bless and speak. Uh, Lord, I believe literally in this room right now, there is somebody that you had a dream and you have thought it was dead. I feel like the Lord wants to remind you of Zacharias uh, who who had prayed for a son, and the angel came to him, and he said, you prayed for a son. It had been so long, he forgot he'd ever prayed for a son. And before long, John the Baptist was born. Jesus wants you to remember this morning. Your dream, you thought your dream was dead, but it's still in there, and he has not forgotten it. Pray today, Lord, for those that have that uh, to, to infuse with courage, Uh, in a world that is hostile to the gospel, we need spirit-filled, triple threat, spirit-gifted believers in a congregation working together. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you next week.